Here's a fun thought experiment. All life we've ever come across is an expression of DNA. There are a few forms of life that have their genetics encoded in RNA, but RNA is a variant of DNA, which means all biochemistry, or the chemical processes within living organisms, is built on top of the same basic structure. Humanity has never come across any other form of life. We call ourselves carbon-based life forms because carbon is the base of sugars, proteins, and fats. Pretty much everything in our bodies is built on top of carbon, including DNA and RNA, which are built on top of a sugar made of five carbon atoms called a pentose. Add one oxygen atom to each carbon atom of a pentose, and we get ribose, which, as you can guess from the name, is the base of DNA and RNA where every organism's blueprint is encoded. Every organism functions entirely as itself. A tree is a tree, a mushroom is a mushroom, an ant is an ant, a wolf is a wolf. The difference is that as we add more moving parts, what becomes necessary is a central organ that can control movement and regulate what moves and when. This, of course, is the brain, which can get pretty intricate. The pattern of movements and reactions to the reality the organism experiences is often called a personality. The relationship with this personality and the digestion of reality through it is what we can call the ego. Most life functions entirely through ego, in that every organism is entirely in itself. A wolf never stops to think about being a wolf, it just is one. Every wolf is the mental, physical, and abstract embodiment of what it is to be a wolf. Humans are effectively the same, only that we can reflect on what we are, and consider the reality that exists outside of us. I'm going to speak in a way that avoids the topic of free will in this episode, because that would make the conversation very cumbersome. But if you're curious, that was already covered in episode 5. For now, awareness, cognizance, and the capacity to reflect are all what I'm going to just lump into the word thought. Experientially, thought is the space carved between instinct and action. Often enough, we operate on autopilot. The subconscious makes decisions and our behavior is instinctual. The moments where our brain requires input, it starts collecting data and presenting it to itself sequentially before acting. That is what we call thought. The brain can train itself to be better at thinking before acting, and that, in today's society, is what's called mindfulness. There's a whole practice and philosophy of mindfulness that exists to talk about, but that's a topic for another time. For now, we'll stick the thought in DNA. The subconscious, or instinctual, behavior for humans, like all other life, tends to center behavior around the idea of the self through the body, meaning it's primarily focused on interacting with other bodies while putting what it believes to be the best version of its body forward in order to maximize its chances for survival and mating. This best version is what the ego absorbs by interacting with society. This is very beneficial for DNA, considering it maximizes DNA's chances of continuing to replicate. It's not that DNA has an intention, it's just that it has evolved in a way that has allowed it to stick around for billions of years. And it's not that DNA has had everything figured out from the beginning. Any versions of itself that didn't prioritize reproducing efficiently just didn't make it that far. We're seeing a well-oiled machine that is adapted to its environment over billions of years, expressed through the organisms that it has successfully iterated in that time. There may have been organisms that were even better at surviving in their environments than the ones we have around today, but it's all relative. Once the environment changes, the species that thrive in that environment also change or die out. DNA is a strange force that has taken over the surface of the planet. 
it seems to drive with a singular determination to perfect its ability to reproduce itself. I don't believe that DNA contains some hidden consciousness in and of itself, but it's hard not to anthropomorphize it when trying to make sense of the prevalence of one molecule with just words. DNA has managed to generate an incredible amount of complexity in its attempt to gather more data to ensure its own survival. The strength of DNA comes from its ability to ever refine the life that it creates by iterating models over time against and in conjunction with one another. Each species needs to be well adapted to surviving in the climates it lives in, while also being both good enough at surviving off of the other species it lives around and competing with or fighting off the rest. Every species needs to do all of that while competing with and fighting off other members of the same species. Complex game. Now, the capacity for thought has created an interesting problem within the realm of DNA because it is a pattern that might cause an organism to not be driven to reproduce or even end its own life based on its capacity to calculate and reflect. The sequences of DNA that culminate in thought are encoded within the genes of a species. Therefore, thought, collectively, exists as a form of virus capable of hiding within the code of DNA while also causing the organism DNA creates to go against what seems to be DNA's best chance at surviving. Even when DNA replicates, it cannot help but create the conditions for thought to spring up and exist within the body that it has created. Of course, DNA is not conscious. It is only a vehicle and in some ways the creator of life by the simple expression of itself within the physical reality. But within this self-replicating chain of chemistry that causes sentience, whose sole purpose seems to be to perfect ways of making more of itself, there seems to be a chunk of code that causes a capacity for reason, to be conscious beyond simple expression of the range of thought necessary to continue to reproduce. This allows the organism, which is itself an expression of DNA, to question DNA. That's why it's interesting to think of thought as a virus, or parasitic bit of code, riding on the coattails of the current cosmic champion of consciousness. One could make the case that humanity is therefore not the ideal for DNA, that the ability to destroy itself, or choose to not replicate, is a self-solving problem. However, from what humanity has been able to understand about its environment, and in turn its environment's place in the universe, is that the only way that DNA stands a chance at surviving past the longevity of Earth's capacity to host life is by being able to outthink the environment and likely getting off the planet. So, will it be DNA-based life that is able to make the leap? Or an artificial form of life that DNA-based life creates? The main question, and this is basically why I brought us all here, is will thought, if we ever manage to create a truly aware artificial general intelligence, beat out DNA in the long run? Will our future iterations give birth to a form of life that is not based on DNA, that will colonize the rest of the galaxy, and possibly galaxies beyond ours? It's, of course, quite a bit of anthropomorphizing to imagine an epic war of survival within our genetic code between DNA and thought that we are just the unwitting hosts of, but this is just a thought experiment. Or is it that we are just thoughts experiments? Okay. Here's one last bit. Why is it that only a few animals have sex for pleasure and social standing? It's all of the more intelligent species, mainly the ones that have evolved greater social dynamics, like dolphins and apes, that seem to have evolved to have sex for pleasure and social standing. 
Is that DNA's subversive way of ensuring reproduction in more intelligent species, even when it's not the intended outcome? Surely not a conscious decision on DNA's part, but it is a curious phenomenon. All right, so this has been a very abstract discussion, because I've been speaking about DNA even though I am just an expression of my genetic sequence. That's the basis of what's incredible about the human existence. We can speak about what we're made of, as though it isn't what we're made of that's speaking. It seems that when it comes to the brain, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. The collection of everything that makes up the body, the entire chemistry set and all the electricity running through it and the spongy, pulpy bits, makes something that can recognize itself and give itself a name. But if we change one bit of it, we either change how it functions or stop it from functioning altogether. We're basically just beakers wrapped in sponge with electrified pudding on top. And it seems like we're being iterated on scales of time we can't quite imagine, by patterns we do not quite understand.